This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now, enjoy today's message with Travis Bronner. Father's Day is a special day, and uh, we say that uh, we declare um, that we love our fathers, and we are, are grateful for this day because we also believe that, um, that in our culture that the family is under attack, um, that there is an, an enemy among us who uh, wants to destroy the family, and we believe that uh, the father being uh, a central part of that family is, is a target of that enemy. And so uh, we believe it's important to celebrate these roles that we have as fathers, um, and uh, we also acknowledge that some of you, this is a first for you. It's the first Father's Day without your father, your earthly father. And uh, we know that um, that is a hard day for you, that it, uh, it's going to bring with it some pain, some happy memories, and some sadness. And so uh, we mourn with you in that. I uh, just had a friend after the last service um, told me that his father passed away on Thursday. And he said, it's, it's good. He's, he's good. He's with the Lord. Um, but we know that those, uh, those situations are all around us. And so we, we acknowledge you and we pray uh, for you and with you uh, in your loss. We also acknowledge that uh, there are some father figures that may not fit kind of this box of what we would t- typically think of as a father. Uh, someone who is helping raise a child, uh, maybe a grandfather who is helping raise a grandchild or a stepfather who has stepped in where a biological father is absent. Uh, and so we acknowledge you and we're grateful for you and the role that you're playing in the lives of, of these children that need a father figure in their life. So we're, we're grateful for you and we acknowledge you as well. And as I said, we have, we have roles that we believe are God-given roles. Moms and dads, you have different gifts and talents, don't you? Right? Dads, we have a different gift set, a different talent set than moms. Uh, moms, you, uh, and, and something you're not going to hear at Woodland Hills on Mother's Day is, Mom, you're awesome. We cherish you. We love you. And on Father's Day, Dad, you need to step it up, all right? <laughs> we, we love our mothers. We love our fathers. We celebrate the roles, uh, but they are different. Um, moms, you tend to be a little more nurturing and when uh, uh, new parents welcome a new baby, mom tends to be natural at the nurturing part. Uh, and then um, at some point, maybe uh, mom hands baby over to dad, and baby gets the same expression as dad, because here's what baby looks like when mom is handing baby over to dad. <laughs> kind of like neither of us know what we're doing here. This could be trouble. And one of the reasons that dad might have this expression is because he knows that this is uh, going to be part of his tasks. <laughs> that again, men tend to handle a little less well than women, um, maybe bring some extra equipment along the way for it. Uh, uh, dads, we don't multitask as well as moms do. Let's face it, right? Um, not long ago, um, my wife Carrie was coaching our daughter, Kaylin, uh, in a volleyball game. She was the team's coach. And I had one job to watch our five-year-old Mason. And let me tell the story at least. (laughs) So we're at the recplex and that partition that drops down between the courts is where Carrie is with the team and she's coaching the team. And I'm across the way in the bleachers and Mason was with me. Um, We're... I'm sitting and talking to a couple of other dads and as I'm kind of paying attention to the game as well, 
I, I see my wife coaching the team. She says, Stephanie, get, get up in the net. Kaylin, get back. You, you're in the back row. Travis, where's Mason? <sighs> I had one job to do. Women are better at multitasking. We have different gifts, different talents, and that may make moms a little bit nervous when you leave baby or the children home alone with us. And that, that may be because uh, moms, we're just going to tell you, when you leave the kids with us, this is the kind of stuff that we do with them. <laughs> you got to know, moms, when you leave and we're at home with them, we have one goal in mind, is that you return to the same number of living children <laughs> as when you left, okay? Now, one of, my, one of my favorite memes that I've seen, a dad meme, uh, was, uh, girls, help me out, the thing that holds your hair back, a, a hair tie, right, um, was, was a dad meme that said, why is it that my daughter and wife can never find a hair tie and I can't not find them, <laughs> right? And so, uh, dads, if you're left uh, with a, a daughter and uh, the situation comes up where she can't find a hair tie, well, never fear because we are capable of many things. <laughs> You, you've heard the saying, you need two things in life, right? Duct tape and WD-40, right? I, I want to I add a third zip ties. <laughs> zip ties can fix so many things. Zip ties are great. But when it comes to different things uh, that come up, we have our different gifts and our different talents, moms and dads. But I love this mug because it kind of sums it up. When all else fails, call dad, right? Why is that? Because dads fix things, don't we? We fix things. Sometimes to a fault. We're not asked to fix something, but we fix it anyway. And that's ingrained in us. It's, it's given to us by God that, that we want to fix things. Mom, you know that dad fixes things, right? Because there have maybe been times that you've uttered the words, we're going to settle this when your father gets home. <laughs> right? And we know what, the, I think I hear my dad laughing. <laughs> We know what that means, right? I, because I heard those words, and I remember thinking, Mom, we, we, should, we should settle it now. We should settle it now. Mom, let, 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 let not there be any unresolved anger between you. Um, we need to settle this now, right? Because Dad's going to fix it, isn't he? Our dads fix things. Sometimes he fixes things with tools. Sometimes he fixes things with a gentle word. Sometimes he fixes things with a hug. Sometimes he fixes things with his strength his physical strength. Sometimes he fixes things with a $20 bill. Sometimes it takes a whole lot more than a $20 bill to fix the problem. But he fixes things. Dads, we fix things. It's in our created nature. It's in our God-given strengths and in our roles. And we embrace and we accept the roles that God has given us. And, and we declare here at Woodland Hills, as men of Woodland Hills, as fathers, as father figures, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord as our primary gift that God has implanted into us to lead out spiritually, leading our families well. We, we embrace them and we do our best. Right, dads? We, we do the best that we can. And we've got to know that as we look to our own earthly father and the experience that we've had with him. And we know that, that really when it boils down to it, he was doing the best that he could. He is doing the best that he can. And I, I'll take a moment to acknowledge, though, that there are some who your dad certainly was not doing the best that he can or could. And uh, we hear you, and we see you, and we pray for you and that. And we'll talk about that here a little bit more.
But as we understand that our dad is and was doing the best that he can, we got to remember that, that we have to have grace. We have to have grace because as we fathers are doing the best that we can, we understand that our father was doing the best that he could, and grace is of utmost importance. Have you ever noticed that you tend to grant, we tend to grant the least amount of grace to those that we love the most? Our family, right? Like your, your, your parents, your children, your siblings, your spouse, that you, for whatever reason, hold them to a higher standard than you would hold anyone else. A stranger, a coworker, or someone else hurts you or offends you in such a way that, that you're able to just let that go. But for whatever reason, it seems we, we hold our loved ones to a higher standard, including our dad, even an unreasonable standard sometimes. Do you remember when you, so parents that are grown now, do you remember when you were a kid and you thought your parents knew what they were doing? And then you had kids and you realize you don't know what you're doing. So wait a minute, they didn't know what they were doing either. And therefore we can understand we must give grace for things from the past and things that have taken place. Uh, my dad, Jim Bronner, many of, of you know, and I'm, um, I'm forever grateful for him and the father that he was um, and, and is and the grandfather now. And um, he was our biggest cheerleader growing up in, in life and in, in, at school and sports and everything that we did. And I know that there are some parents that are a little overly cheerleading maybe, but dad had this knack of, of keeping us in balance. I, I, I would be out on, on, a, on a field playing a sport and I'd, I'd, I'd do something well, and he'd, way to go, Trav! I could hear his voice among sometimes thousands of other voices. But then sometimes when I may be getting a little cocky and maybe act in a certain way, I would also hear his voice, nope! <laughs> okay, right? The biggest cheerleader, biggest accountability, a wonderful balance, and as kids, we desire boundaries, right? Kids desire boundaries. And, and my wife, Carrie, says this all the time. She can remember as a kid just, just looking for boundaries and hoping that they're there because kids need and want boundaries. And there's so many things that kids need and, and, and so many things that kids want. And my father did something that is, as a matter of fact, now I understand to be research-backed, but he wasn't doing it because of any research. He was doing it because he's a good dad. He was saying things to us that we needed to hear. And uh, research has shown, I, I learned this after we had kids, and it was something that I was doing, but just simply because it was done for me. But research has shown that, that kids need to hear primarily two things from their parents. Number one, I love you. And number two, I'm proud of you. Okay? Now, here's the important thing, fathers, is between the two parents, the one that they need to hear it from and want to hear it from the most is dad. They need and want to hear, I love you and I'm proud of you, from their dad. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but raising girls is a little different than raising boys. Okay, amen, dads? Right? A zip tie can fix anything, though. And so there happens to be in that same research something else uh, that, that was proven is that daughters need to hear something extra besides, I love you and I'm proud of you. And that's real simple. I think you're very pretty. It's true. They need to hear it. Now, it's very important for us to instill in them that their value is not in their looks. Their value is in Christ, right? But nonetheless, it's important, and our, our daughters 
need to hear this. And so after we had two boys and I realized that girls are different and I knew that this needed to be said, uh, in our tuck-in routine, very intimate down in our daughter Kaylin's face, every night I would tell her, Kaylin, I love you. I love you too, Daddy. I'd say, Kaylin, I'm proud of you. Thank you, Daddy. And I'd say, Kaylin, I think you're very pretty. Thank you, Daddy. And then she got to the point, though, where I don't know if she was getting uncomfortable because of the repetition, but she felt like she needed to return the compliment. <laughs> so one night it was, Kaylin, I think you're very pretty. Thank you, Daddy. Daddy, yes, Kaylin, I think you have very strong muscles. <laughs> Thank you, Kaylin. The next night it was, Daddy, yes, Kaylin, I think you're very smart. Well, thank you, sweetheart. The next night, Daddy, yes, Kaylin, right, in, right down there with her, I think you have very strong breath. <laughs> thank you, dear. We do the best that we can, don't we, Dad? Father's Day may bring pain for some of you for a lot of different reasons. Maybe your father was abusive. Maybe your father wasn't even there. And you wonder who, who he even is, where he is. Um, maybe you're the mother raising kids on your own. And as we talk about and celebrate Father's Day, it's a painful thing because the father of your children is absent. Or the father of your children not only hurt you, but he hurt them as well. If that's you, then we want to remind you that um, that doesn't break God's design. It doesn't uh, uh, negate God's design for marriage and for families, right? Because sin is in the world and because of the brokenness that you experience. And it's very, very important that you don't harbor bitterness and resentment and anger because of that experience. And that's, that's hard to hear. But Jesus said, you must forgive. How many times? 70 times seven. Is, is that a number? No, it's hyperbole. You must continue to forgive, and that can be very, very hard. And we want to encourage you, as we say that to those that have been abused, hurt, otherwise, we, we want to be very clear about something. As we are to for, forgive over and over and to never quit forgiving, because as our friend Gary Smalley, you, you've heard it here so many times before, if you, if you harbor bitterness and anger against someone who has hurt you, that's like drinking poison and hoping, hoping that they get sick. It's only going to eat you from the inside out. It does nothing to fix the problem. Forgiveness is so important. But here's the other thing we want to be very clear about for those who are in relationships, abusive, or whatever else, that there's a, a big difference between forgiveness and trust. There's a difference. You are to continue to forgive, but no one is going to ask you to continue to trust. What do I mean by that? We're, no one is going to ask you to con continue to engage in a relationship or a connection with someone who is going to continue to hurt you in ways that they have before. You must forgive, but you don't have to continue to trust. There's a big difference there. It's just like with a former spouse or anyone else that has hurt you. Forgive. God still gave us these roles as spouses, as fathers, and he still desires that just because our sinful nature has broken some of those relationships. We forgive, and why is that helpful, or why is that important? Because as, as we look at the relationships in which we've been hurt, we realize that, that if we are looking to that relationship and that person 
as our source, then our source is misplaced. In the same way that we can misplace our spouse as our source of life and our source of hope, that can be misplaced in the same way, placing our, our source of life and our source of hope in a father, an earthly father, can be misplaced. We can't misplace our source of hope in the same way that he is not the enemy. Your spouse is not the enemy, they are not your source. Your father is not the enemy, and he is not the, your source of hope and of life. You see, you didn't choose your earthly father, right? As kids, generally, you, you don't get to choose, hey, you're going to be my father. And we've, we've heard this many times. You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. You, you, don't, you don't choose who your father's going to be. And uh, some kids wish that they could when you hear the words, but so-and-so's parents, right? Well, what do you say? I'm not so-and-so's parents. <laughs> God didn't give you to them. He gave you to me. There are two ways that a child can be, become someone's child. It's real simple, by birth or by adoption. By birth or by adoption. When, and the birth is obvious, right? Born into a family. When there's an adoption that takes place, there's a family or parents or a parent that says to a child, you are now part of this family. You get all the benefits of being a part of this family. And, and, and that adoption says to the child, you are mine. You are my child. And, and, and beyond that, what that does for that child is that gives that child a home. And we hear the word home, we know that home brings with it a, a sense of comfort and a sense of peace and a sense of safety. And so many things that come along with being told, you are mine and this is now your home, this is your family. Let's talk a little bit about some things that are true about you. And we're going to start with one that is true about everyone. Um, and that is that every single one of us is an image bearer. And we've gone through this before. We've talked about it uh, so many times uh, in, in detail. But the, the thing that is true about every single person is that they are a human being with their eternal value, created in the image of God, knitted together in their mother's womb, fearfully and wonderfully made. From the moment of conception, that's every human being. And that's hard to believe about some people and the things that they've said and the things that they've done. But that is truth. Now, child of God, we aren't born naturally, physically, as a child of God, right? We're born into iniquity and born into a sin condition. So to be a child of God, what do we have to be? We have to be adopted, adopted into the family of God. Now, let's look at these, these uh, uh, two truths separately. First, about being an image bearer. In Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. God gives you, at the moment of your conception, his image. And that's true about you no matter what, whether you are in the family of God, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. That is true about you. Then, what does it mean to be a child of God? John 1, 12 through 13 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, that's Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God in the family, who were born not of blood, not a physical birth, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so that's why many of you growing up, including me, uh, heard the phrase born again, right? Right? born of physical birth and then 
born again into the family of God. That is God at that moment saying, you are mine. You are mine, and now you have a heavenly home that awaits you with perfect peace, with perfect comfort, with perfect physical condition. You have a home. You're part of the family, you are mine, and now you have a heavenly home that awaits you. What's interesting is that our relationship with God changes at the moment of our salvation. We go from image bearer into the family. And so we go from where God, who is unchanging, God the Father is unchanging, he is the Father, but he's not our Father until we become a child of God, then he is our Father. He says, you are mine, and we can say, he is ours. That relationship changes at that moment. And maybe from an, a, uh, an earthly father, uh, you've never heard the words, I love you and I'm proud of you, but you need to know that your heavenly father says it all the time, all through scripture. He says it. He says, I love you and I'm proud of you. Let's look at Psalm 139, 13 through 14. It says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he's proud of you. You are his masterpiece. All of the rest of creation, he simply spoke into existence. And then every single one of you and me, everyone around us, he knitted together in their mother's womb. He didn't just speak into creation. He knitted together in their mother's womb. No matter the baggage, no matter the problems that you've had, no matter your past failures, he welcomes you into the family. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. In that, he says, you are mine. Now, some of the families that I have uh, some of the highest respect and admiration for are, are families that invite into their family that adopt uh, children that uh, have problems, that are uh, uh, at-risk kids or have maybe physical uh, problems, have maybe mental or psychological problems that they have to deal with. And the parents that bring them in are inviting that into their family and the difficulties that it's going to bring. And I admire that uh, because uh, that's going to be a lot of work, right? Um, not every adoption is that way, but there are some that are. And I have great admiration for the families that bring those children in. I think the biggest reason that I do is that if you look to your left and you look to your right, you are going to see a person that is a problem child right? Every single one of us. Don't take that too far. <laughs> Every single one of us is a problem child who is welcomed in the family of God. He, he welcomes us in. We become part of the family and all the baggage that we bring with us. And he says, come. He says, you are mine. Doesn't matter. But God, what about, doesn't matter. You're mine. Well, what if it doesn't matter? You are mine. You are now part of this family, the family of God. Let's look at Romans 5, 6, and 8. It says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God, but God, I love that phrase, but God, shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When I was in my residency training, 
there was uh, an attending doctor, uh, Dr. Wayne Berryhill, um, who had five kids. And, and, and at the time, I thought, man, that's a bunch of kids. We had two, now we have four. Uh, <laughs> and um, I remember uh, very distinctly uh, an, an interaction we had because uh, uh, he and I knew each other's faith, and it was, he was a mentor not only in my training but also just in my life. And um, I knew he had five kids, and he, he was just an incredible leader of his home. And um, he and his wife uh, had seen this kid at their church who was four or five years old uh, who needed a home. And I remember him talking about how they are considering adopting this kid. And I thought, oh, my goodness. I said, Dr. Barry, you've got five kids, and you're talking about adopting another one. And he said, Travis, are you a, are you a, you're a Christian, right? I said, yes. He said, do you realize that the very essence of your faith and your salvation rests in adoption? And that affected me for the, for the rest of my life at that moment and forevermore. Not just in the, the way uh, that I interact with my family, but also in the way that I understand my faith. That I'm a problem child. I've got a lot of baggage. There's a lot that I deal with from the past and going to in the future. And God says, you are mine. Doesn't matter. He doesn't have too many kids. He doesn't have a limited number of space. He says the family is as big as you want for it to be and you're welcome. And, um, and you gotta know that God desires that everyone should come to faith, that everyone should reach repentance, not that, lest anyone should suffer even the most troubled kid that you think that you are. Christ died for us, and that's how we can come to faith and to right relationship with the Father. And uh, this verse is probably the most popular verse uh, that is introduced to every child, one of the first that we memorize, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, the thing that we have to understand about this is this is Father's Day, and we're talking about fathers and sons, and we understand God the Father, God the Son. And we may get this picture of God the Father, a war general, patting his son on the back and saying, get out there and fight this battle, son. But we remember that we understand and believe and know it to be true that God is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the Father and I are one. So when we get this picture maybe of a father sending his son out to battle, we have to understand this was God doing battle himself. He wasn't sending someone else to do it. This was God himself. God himself died. Atonement for our sins. Jesus is and was and will always be fully God, fully man. Dads, I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question. Don't raise your hand. But how many of you would die for your child? That's a hard question, right? But you know the answer. There's not a single one of us that wouldn't, wouldn't take the proverbial bullet or jump on the, the grenade or fall on the sword, whatever, for your child. And, and we understand that when we see that our, our kid is sick or hurting or having problems of some kind, even emotional, that they're suffering with. And what is it that you, the, that you often think or you often pray, Lord, if there's any way that I can take this, then please let me. You feel that, don't you? Because that is one of your God-given gifts, is to protect that child. And, and protection mode kicks in. Uh, also in residency, one of the most gut-wrenching things that I would do is when I would have to go onto the pediatric cancer ward and see a kid in the midst of chemotherapy with hair gone, withering away, and parents sitting at the foot of the bed. 
and particularly dad, because I can identify as a dad, and knowing the thoughts and the prayers of that dad, let me take this. Let me be the sick one. Let me be the one that has to deal with the treatments and everything else. And then we read Matthew 7, 9 through 11, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven get good, give good things to those who ask him? Think about that. The feeling that we have as an earthly father, that I want to do that for my child, and that pales in comparison to the love that our father has for that child, making us realize how important it is to make sure our children understand that I'm a broken father, but in heaven you can have a perfect father. Our love and devotion pales in comparison. And dads, we fix things though, don't we? We do the best we can, we fix things. Um, did any other dads struggle with getting their kids dressed? Again, we have our different strengths and weaknesses. I, I'm what you would call wardrobe challenged, even for myself. I, you know, everything okay, babe? Okay, good, I can go to work. You know, getting the kids dressed, a whole different story. And again, you'll, you'll notice problems happen when my wife leaves town. So uh, I, bringing the kids to church and I get our, our five-year-old, uh, or he was just over one at the time, I'm getting him dressed, right? And the problem is I go to his closet and I've, I've learned over the years that, there, that things should match or they should at least go together. Ladies, is that, there's a distinction, right? There's a difference between things match. Guys, I don't know. I don't get it either. I, don't, I still don't get it. But I'm in his closet. I'm like, okay, does it match? Does it go together? I don't even know what that means. I'm digging like to the back of the closet. I'm like, oh, this is a perfect outfit. It looks like it was put together. So I take it out. I put on him. This was in October and it turns out to be his 4th of July outfit. <laughs> the women are the only ones laughing because the guys are like, so? It matched, it went together, it was perfect, right? And so I made the mistake uh, uh, during church of sending my wife a picture of him uh, to which she said, he didn't wear that to church, did he? Eh. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, we do the best that we can. And we, we fix things, right? One of my favorite stories that I've heard of a teenage daughter um, that posted on social media years ago that uh, she was driving home trying to make curfew and she got a flat tire, so she calls her dad. And what did her dad do? He got out of bed, he put on some clothes, he drove to where she was, he changed the tire and they drove home. And she just praised the way that he did it, he didn't complain. He didn't say you should have left earlier. He didn't say whatever, whatever else. He just took care of it, right? Because dads fix things. Was that easy? No. Try getting me out of bed after I've been in bed for however long to go change a tire. That's hard, right? Dads, we, we do hard things. We've got to do hard things. And we need to know that sometimes it's hard to say things that our kids need to hear. I love you. I'm proud of you. And, and for your girls, I think you're pretty. And that can be hard. But it's needed. They need to hear these things. And sometimes we fix doorknobs, we fix appliances for those that are able, and sometimes we help in, in fixing broken hearts, right? The hug, the kind word that can maybe help fix a broken heart. But most importantly, we understand that only God can truly fix a broken heart. God fixes things too. He, he is going to make all things new, but we know that for the time, things are still broken. John 16, says, I have said these things, 
to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, what I have overcome the world. He's fixed it. He has given us a heavenly home where things are fixed as he brings us into the family and says, you are mine. And so on this Father's Day, I want to just encourage you and also mothers as well. If you feel like you're failing, feel like you have too many shortcomings, that things just aren't going like you would like for them to, maybe you have a child that's a difficult child that you butt heads with, whatever else is going on, and you may think, am I the right parent for this child? Because I, I just can't do this. And you need to know that God doesn't make mistakes. God gave you that child because God knows that you are the right parent for that child. God has given you gifts and talents, and God has given you to them. God does not make mistakes. On this Father's Day, may we all be grateful for the good and extend grace for the difficulties. There's a perfectly he perfect heavenly Father who loves you and is proud of you and wants to declare to you that you are mine. If you've never heard from God, you are mine because you have placed faith in Christ, we would encourage you. Our prayer team's going to be down front here. They would love to pray with you or answer any questions you may have about that. But we would hope that you would move from I love you and I'm proud of you to hearing God say you are mine. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we're grateful on this Father's Day for the perfect heavenly Father that we have in you. We're grateful for your son Christ and uh, the way that we can be brought into the family through him, through his blood and through his sacrifice and through our confession and belief. We pray for the fathers here and the father figures, uh, Lord, that you would give them strength in fulfilling the role that you have given them and uh, the special tasks of raising uh, these kids. Lord, we pray uh, for those that are hurting, for those that have lost a father uh, in the past year, and for those, Lord, that have um, had experiences of hurt when the word father is spoken. We pray for them and their healing, that they would come uh, to uh, saving knowledge of you if they don't have it, that they would be healed uh, spiritually, Lord, and uh, that they would know that they are loved. We love you. We give you praise in Christ's name. And everyone agreed and said... Amen. Amen.